I'm Michael Boxall, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by Callum Williams. Cal, please rank the following lunch meats in first a typical state and then an ideal state. So I want to, you know, it, an average serving of this lunch meat versus like the best possible one you can imagine, okay? okay. Turkey, roast beef, ham, salami, pastrami, and corned beef. Let's talk typical first. So, like, you know, you have to take into account the fact that it could be a good or a bad, you know, like you order a sandwich from, from yep. someplace, okay? Yep. Uh, I'd probably put ham in that that category. Okay. The top, you want to put ham in the top? Hmm. For me, what I will say... I don't pull punches. This is the, I start with the tough questions. <laughs> so, being a boy who was essentially raised Irish... Okay. Corned beef is absolutely okay. the top end of this. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I don't mind like a little turkey sandwich from time to time and whatnot. You know, that's okay. okay. Um, never really a massive fan of salami. Okay. Roast beef, eh. Not Did, your thing. Not, not really, no. And pastrami. I feel like sometimes pastrami and corned beef are kind of like... They're similar. They're salted, cured. It depends on meats. what kind of a mood I'm in, to be honest. Pastrami's sure. okay, but for me, corned beef is now. And see, this is a thing as well because I, I have learned that corned beef over here is very different to corned beef back home. Um, yes. So, yeah, corned beef in a sandwich here is a little different than when you have corned beef. Like if on St. Patrick's Day, if you get corned beef and cabbage or something, right. that's kind of a different pro- prospect. It, so. it is. Um, so I will always say I prefer the the original and proper corned sure. beef stuff. But yeah. um, uh, that that's a tough question. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the thing that, as I was thinking about it, the thing that struck me is that I, I feel like it, basically looking at typical, like I just have to just, like there's a sandwich and I'm looking, I'm looking at an array of sandwiches at a place that I don't know. Turkey is so reliable to me. Um, right. It's it's rarely going to steer you wrong. Um, however, it, in the ideal situation, turkey is like the bottom of the list. Like the best turkey to me is is not as good as the best versions of any of those other meats. Yep, I can see that. Like really good corned beef to me is the top. Like that's if I know that I'm going to get the best corned beef possible, that's what I want in a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Roast beef is also really high up there for me. I was okay. I really like roast beef, but bad roast beef is bad. Like if the roast yeah. beef is not like you know pink, you know if it's not like if if, if it's all brown, there's a, there's an issue there with the roast beef. So it's chewy and fatty, the yeah, bad stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just peculiar to me because I think that turkey is like a is like a workhorse sandwich meat for me. It does mm-hmm. it does a lot of 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 lifting in a lot of sandwiches, and it's fairly reliable. Um, but at the top end of turkey is I'm not really con- interested in the best turkey sandwich possible. Yeah, I, I would agree with this. Yeah, I, I, that, that, that's a good way to put it. I agree with that. I'm glad we came to this conclusion. It only took three minutes and we didn't talk about Game of Thrones. So um, also, but what I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to a, a steakhouse downtown last night with Mr. Brad Baker, with Mr. Brad Baker. Yes. Yeah. Um, and had possibly the best steak of my life. All right. 
Better um, than the one at the place in Portland that was. Oh, not that's as good a tough it. one. Yeah, because and that was so disappointing in Portland that I, we built this steak up and and then we had it and it wasn't very good. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. That 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 in twenty seventeen, that steak we had in Portland was heavenly. Yeah, it was beyond anything I've ever had. So now, did um, this one? This is from Manny's, is that correct? Yes, from okay. Manny's. Now, yeah. Did this, did this exceed that one from Portland? Uh, or right, just up in there? It's up there, okay. but yeah, that one in Portland will take right. some beating for sure. Okay. Just wanted to bring up. Well, whilst we're on the subject of meat. Of meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, let us talk about Seattle, the Seattle Sounders. Um, a little, a little club, uh, from the Pacific Northwest, also like Portland. I'm going to go to Seattle also later on this year. So oh, you, you have to let me know about, uh, oh, steaks, okay. steaks in Seattle. I should check out. So seafood in Seattle, mate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Pike's Pike's place. Is that the Pike the, place? Market, Pike yep. place? Yeah. That's uh, I've been to Seattle. Uh, it's, it's a good place. I like it a lot. So coffee, excellent coffee. Oh. And I'm a, I'm a huge coffee guy. So. Best coffee. I think I've probably had in the world in Seattle. Yeah, I have, I, st I still have a mug from Victrola, which is a coffee shop that's in the Capitol Hill area. Um, it's like a big mug and it's sort of my mug of ch choice, you know, okay. uh, on the weekends when I'm not coming to work, when I need to have a travel <laughs> mug. So, um, let's, uh, so Seattle, that, that game against Seattle, um, I'll say, uh, the first thing I'll say is that I thought it was really fun to see, um, Ozzy Alonzo, uh, connecting with old teammates. You know, you saw it a couple times. Um, I was, as I was waiting to go into the, the press conference, you know, he came out of the, um, he was coming down the tunnel and, uh, Nico Ladero was there with him and Ladero was like wearing Ozzy's Jersey inside out. Right. And, uh, you know, they were sort of talking and everybody who came by was, was, you know, sort of clapping him on the back and stuff like that. Um, it, it sort of reminded me of, I remember talking to Ethan Finlay before. Now I don't know if he's actually played against Columbus. He got injured. Uh, yeah, he hasn't played he hasn't against, played against Columbus, yet. but I think we were talking about that, you know, going back to Columbus and stuff. And he was saying that, um, you know, all the players who are in MLS, there's a sort of fraternity of that and that they, they, they understand each other and what they deal with and, and, and how their lives are in a way that nobody else really understands it in the same way. And so there's a kind of, there's a kind of brothership there, you know, they're all in the players union and everything mm -hmm. like that. So, um, and that's, it's kind of nice to see because I think we get caught up sometimes in like, Oh, this, this guy's old team. He, you know, he hates these guys or he, <laughs> he had a horrible time there or whatever like that. But it's like, when you get on the field, it's like you want to compete against those guys, not because you hate them, but because you know, that's what you do. You take pride in your job and you go out there and compete. So. Yeah. Aussie, Aussie, is a supreme competitor. There's no doubt about it. And I thought he was good again against the Sounders. And, yeah. um, you know, there were a couple of, of times where I thought he, he tackled a little bit harder and he ran a little bit faster and whatnot. You know, he obviously wanted to, to do well against his former employer. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I thought it was a really, uh, a really intriguing game. It was high in energy, high in entertainment. Um, you know, um, I, I thought the game for the most part was fairly even. Yeah. I do think the Sounders should have won it. Um, obviously, they hit the woodwork a couple of times, so I think they should have should have won it. But sure. I, I do think it was a fairly evenly played out game. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I really thought it was a it was a thrill to to call um, because it was so end to end. Um, and it, it, you know, I felt as though the crowd really got into the game as well. And I thought it was a really good advertisement for Major League Soccer. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was fast paced as well. And and um, I had a text from uh, an old colleague of mine uh, who I guess found a, a world feed of it 
somewhere, and uh, and and she was saying it, it was fantastic. What what a what a great um, what a great game, and um, you know she was like, oh, is, is MLS always like this? I said, well, maybe you know, not always. Maybe not always, but it's again, it was it was a really good advertisement for the league and and, and for both of the two sides competing as well. Yeah, I thought that uh, it, it was. I sort of hesitated to call it end to end as I was recapping it, because it didn't feel like some games, it feels loose, you yep. know, and there's a lot of counterattacking. This didn't exactly feel like there was a ton of counterattacking. It felt a little more like a sort of chess match of, you know, one team having possession and building up something that they want to do. And the other team breaking it down and then building up what they want to do. There was obviously there was, there were counterattacks and there's stuff like that, but it sort of felt like it, it had a chess matchy feel to it where it seemed like it, each team was getting some of what it wanted at different points. I think Minnesota had the upper hand earlier in the game. Seattle had the upper hand later in the game um, overall, but fairly even. I mean, I thought the result was fair. I could have seen Seattle winning it. Um, you know, the, although they're, they're, the, the one goal they had that Christian rolled on strike was, whew, I mean, that's one of the, I mean, I think as Adrian said, it's one of those ones you just, you just take your hand, your hat off for, you know I mean? Yeah. You can't do anything about that. I mean, yeah. it was just a fabulous goal. Um, for me should be goal of the week as well. And, 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 um, it's one of those ones that maybe, you know, two or three times throughout your professional career, they fall so kindly for you and you hit it as sweet as you possibly can, you know, and, um, it was curving away as well. So it's difficult for Manone to get to it. And yeah, it, it was it was a fabulous goal. It really, really was. And um, you know, uh, we Minnesota hadn't conceded a goal in the previous two games, and you know, it was always going to take something special, and, and that's exactly what that goal was. Yeah, Th that element, the defensive sort of solidity from Minnesota, has been really interesting these last several games. Again, given that not conceding the goal in the two previous games, and then that goal being such a such a worldie of a strike, you know, I think there is. I mean, I think the question becomes. The, the attack looked dynamic early on in the season. Um, there have been chances. I was talking to Jan Gregorich about this at training today, that it's not um, sort of in the way that the, um, the, the defense, the defensive issues were not overall tactical or sort of team wide issue with shape or something like that. It was sort of individual errors. It seems like some of the attacking issues are not so much like broadly strategic as just just that last shot, just mm. getting the shot off. I mean, think about that 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 sort of scrum that happened in front of goal for Minnesota, where at least three or four guys touched it or came close to it, yeah, and then just couldn't quite couldn't quite put the the, the biscuit in the basket as, mm. they, as they say. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like there is? I mean, obviously Darwin is not a hundred percent, you know, right now. Um, wh what do you think happens? Like, do you think that there is some page to turn the way that the defense has sort of turned a page, uh, at least at home? I'm intrigued to see what they do against Chicago fire because it's obviously an away game. It wouldn't surprise me if Adrian stuck with the four, three, three. Yeah. Um, I think Rasmus Schuler is a very handy player to have on the road because he's got such high energy and he, um, he he can be a little bit of a pest when, yeah. when someone's just trying to pass a ball. He, he does like a good nibble at the ankles, you know. So I um, I think he's a perfect road player. So I wonder if, if they'll stick to the 4-3-3. Um, maybe Darwin comes back in. I don't know. I, th I thought Miguel... Although he runs his socks off as always, I, I thought he was he was fairly irrelevant. There, there wasn't much there. Mm -hmm. um, I thought uh, I thought Ethan Finlay 
gave a good account of himself. Angelo, again, did everything he could to hold the ball up. Um, very nearly scored when the, the ball dropped to, you know, that, that scrum that you mentioned, yeah. you know, and if it had it not have been for the intervention of Stefan Fry, I think he, he would have scored. Yeah. Um, it seemed like Angelo had, a, I mean, it seemed like he had a little less hold-up play than he had, you know, the, the, the couple games previously. It sort of seemed like they had a little difficulty getting the ball to him mm -hmm. in a position where he had position. Um, do, do you think that was, I mean, if you agree with that, do you feel like that was, it seemed like Kim Kee, he was on his, he on was him good, constantly, yeah. like man-marking him. So. Yeah, Kim Kee, he had a really good game. He was my Sounders player of the match, if I was given the choice for sure. And, um, you know, I thought Chad Marshall again was, was typical Chad Marshall as well, and, and, and Angelo... Um, I, I think he, um, you know, going up against a combination of, of that quality is, is very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and it can be difficult for any centre forward when they're up on their own um, as this, this system um, uh, has a centre forward do. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I, I thought, again, it was a, a good account of Angelo Rodriguez yeah. and what he offers again. And But, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, look, he, he won't come up against um, a duo that are, of that good every week. Yeah. Um, so I, I Chad, mean, Chad Marshall, definitely. I think for my money, the best soccer player of people who look kind of like Will Ferrell. <laughs> I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know everybody who looks kind of like Will Ferrell. Uh -huh. I, I think he's probably the best of the people who look I'm, I'm generally sure, like Will Ferrell. So. I'm sure he would be flattered. Yeah. If you told him that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, he is huge. Um, big boy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that was, I thought that we saw w once Darwin came on, Darwin seemed to really have an eye toward getting the ball to, uh, Angelo in the box, um, in a way that maybe he was trying to very much direct the play in that direction. That gave Angelo a couple more, a couple more little opportunities there. But I think there's still, you know, like I'm, I, I, I just wrote a thing about Angelo that's, that's up on the website now, but I think the team is still sort of, it's getting better, but they're still trying to figure out exactly how to leverage Angelo in the most effective way possible. I think it's getting effective, yeah. but I think that there's further levels of what they can do with that on on a, on an offense. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, for me as well, I, I think we've got to get the ball quicker to Angelo. That's that's something that I, I know the coaching staff want more of as well as they want to get it up to him quicker. Sure. Um, and also as well, I think for me, get the ball out wide quicker as well. Um, you know, there's been a couple of times where there's maybe been one or two little passes inside where it needs to be sprayed outside quickly. Yeah. Um, so, again, we'll wait and see. I mean, um, no doubt that this team has gotten so much better. It's, yeah. it's, it's unrecognizable compared to the team that we watched in, like, 2017 and even 2018 as well, you know. Yeah. It's it's so much better. There's There's so much more promise with this team than any other team that Minnesota United have, have had in Major League Soccer. And um, the, the, there's always a possibility with this group of players, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just intrigued to see what, what they do moving forward. You know, I, I think Allianz Field will, will become a, a huge fortress yeah. for them, no doubt, with the atmosphere that, that the fans generate. I think um, we're seeing that with, I mean, you know, a bunch of draws and a win, you know, unbeaten. I, I yep. think that, you know, obviously you want to, you know, you know what they all say, win at home, point on the road. Yep. Um, but... I think that you're seeing the development of an understanding of the stadium that says, like, we're we're not going to let people beat us here. Um, yeah. And that's good. Absolutely. And then also, as well, I think on the road as well, there's an element of confidence now that there never was before. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I spoke to Adrian Heath about that today, and, and albeit briefly, he simply said, look, we're just a better team. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, yeah, really you're right. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, there's there's yeah. not real too much 
else to, to talk about it, really. I kind of thought to myself, is it a, was it a psychological thing and whatnot? And he very quickly shut that down and said, no, we're just a better team. Yeah. So, um, yeah. look, I mean, again, it's uh, it's good. Um, it's uh, I, I have no problem saying that. I think this team are going to be in and around the playoffs come the end of the season. And... Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's going to be, again, very interesting to see what happens in Chicago. Yeah, last thing I'll say about Seattle, they, they sure seem to get familiar with the, the, the pitch at Allianz Field a lot. Uh, seem like they spent a lot of time on the ground there, so I hope they got a good look at it. So, <laughs> um, that's all I'll say. Uh, some other breaking MLS news uh, today. FC Cincinnati has fired Alan, Alan Koch. Is that is it Koch? Koch? Alan okay. Koch. I'm not sure. You know, it's pronounced a couple different ways. So you don't you don't really realize how little you know how to pronounce things until you have to host a podcast <laughs> and say <laughs> and say all of this stuff. Uh, your thoughts. Let's start with your thoughts on this firing. Um, so, well, first of all, sorry, before I talk about that, it's, it's obviously deadline day today as well. Yeah, so having we'll, a, we'll touch on that as having well. Having a, a, a coach lose his job as well just intensifies the carnage of today anyway. But yes. I've just been told that uh, Jonathan Lewis is going to go from New York City to Colorado Rapids. Ah, so, uh, yes, I hit um, yeah. I think uh, someone, someone was reporting that earlier on, but apparently it's done now. So okay. whenever this this comes out, um, obviously, yes. we'll get into that. the old news. We'll but, talk about a couple other moves down the line. Here. No, absolutely. But anyway, so sorry. Um, Cincinnati, uh, I, I find it utterly bizarre that after 11 games, yeah. you fire the head coach. And, and I was uh, glued to the uh, the Jeff Birding, uh, Jeff Birding, essentially, the, the chap who, who runs FC Cincinnati. Um, I was glued to his press conference and, and I lost count the amount of times he used the word culture. And I got the feeling that whatever the culture he wants there isn't there. He, the, one of the most intriguing things he said as well was he said, we are a long way and we have a long way to go before we maximize the talents in the locker room. That to me is throwing the coach under the bus mm -hmm. and saying the coach wasn't good enough to get the best out of these players. Um, one of the most confusing things for me here is that it seems as though Alan Cox was never really the first choice at FC Cincinnati. I'm not ever convinced that he was the man that Jeff Birding and, and a couple of the hierarchy there wanted to hire. Mm. But he seemed to tick a lot of boxes at the time in USL. Right. Obviously, he was USL coach of the year, moving into the season. And um, it the, the, there was always an element of mystery about it because so many people... I mean, Caleb Porter was linked with the Cincinnati job since uh, from whenever I, whenever I can remember, you know, it seemed to be linked with it since the day he was born. Mm -hmm. um, and I just always felt as though Cincinnati were going to come into MLS with an MLS manager. I'm not saying coach isn't an MLS caliber manager, but a proven MLS manager. Sure. And I, it, it, I could be completely wrong here, but it does seem as though is that they were waiting for an opportunity. They were going to give Alan Koch an opportunity, but they were waiting for an opportunity to go and get someone that they want. I think they've had their eye on somebody for a while now. Mm -hmm. Jeff Birding was very, um, very much against that um, that thought process. Said to the press that we don't have a, a list. We weren't expecting to do this. I'm not entirely sure that's the case, and, yeah. and I'm going to be I'm going to be intrigued to see who FC Cincinnati bring in moving forward. Yeah, it's um, I mean, obviously FC Cincinnati started kind of well. We all thought, oh, you know, looking looking not too bad. Um, obviously, have sort of started to wallow. Um, have not scored a goal in the run of play in two months or seven weeks, yeah, something is. like yep. that. They yep. scored a penalty about six weeks ago. Yep. So, and that's about it. Um, they have. Um, 
Kenny Safe, who looks like a great player. Yep. Um, a, a terrific number 10 who's not really being utilized. Um, so some of the criticisms, I think, you know, maybe are warranted. It's a little tough to me to push the reset button this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we look back, if you look back at Orlando City, when they came in with with our current head coach, Adrian Heath, um, and they decided to let Adrian go um, early-ish. I don't remember. Did he have two years? Uh, he had about 18 months. 18 months, right. Okay. Um, they've never really successfully established a culture since that point. Um, and this is sort of the problem of if you continually – get somebody and then they don't really, there's something to be said for the continuity and the time in and the idea of let someone's vision become a full vision. Uh, Sometimes having a full vision is, is better than having half of a better vision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, Uh, I mean, I think there's room to quibble with that, but um, it always makes me think of things like this. Always make me think of uh, there's a band called the promise ring who are from Milwaukee and uh, they have a song where the, the hook is be, be one anything one time. Like this idea of like unification, like mm-hmm. like it, we're always pulled in so many different directions. Like strive to focus on being something and then see what happens then. And for situations like this, I sort of worry that uh, it sort of concerns me because I think teams don't really see entirely what they could be and then they, they, they reset. And now you've basically, you know, you're sort of throwing the season Essentially, like unless something dramatic happens, I mean, you know, they the I saw the I think Bernie was talking about playoff aspirations. I'm like, man, come on, like right now, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, anytime, anytime when any exec in any sport for a team that is not doing well says our goal is the playoffs, and this wasn't gonna, this wasn't getting, and you're more than like a game into the season or something like that. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, you're not, I mean, they could turn it around. Teams do it. Seattle Sounders look at him, yep. you know, but I don't think this is a Seattle Sounders level of, of talent on a team, you know? No. And so I, I, t- I, it's just one of those things with execs when they're like, if the goal is the playoffs, this guy wasn't going to get, get us there. Now we'll get there. I'm like, I don't think, I mean, I think you've, you just lose so much head headwind when you just fire the coach partway through the season. Yeah. I think, um, I think personally they've jumped the gun too early in yeah. my opinion. Now, we could be sitting here next week or in two weeks doing this podcast, and they've appointed a fantastic head coach who has turned this, whatever the culture is that Jeff Birding wants at Cincinnati, completely around. Um, They could have uh, given FC Cincinnati an identity, which I don't really think they have at the moment. I think a lot of people identified them as a long ball, sort of direct team and whatnot, but they... You know, after a couple of games, they seem to change a little bit, and, and no one really knows what what they identify as at the moment. Same could be said about Orlando City as well, ironically. But um, I I just don't know what they're going to do moving forwards. Um, they're going to have to do something big. They really are. They're going to have to get either someone who is a proven manager worldwide or a proven manager in MLS. Um, I I just uh, and look, we, we we don't know what's happened behind the scenes. Right? Sure. There's always more to the story than people are, are, are ever told. Um, but I just, I think they've jumped the gun too early, way too early. Yeah. What about, uh, Colorado also, also just fired their coach. I think since the last time we did this podcast. Yeah, you're right. It was six <laughs> days ago. Um, I, I think Anthony Hudson, uh, simply, I, I think there were two issues there. I think he ran out of ideas and I don't think that he recruited well enough. The fact that he 
called out his players after the loss at Atlanta last weekend, mm -hmm. where he said something along the lines of they're a bottom-tier team playing with bottom-tier players. I kind of thought, ooh, that's, that's a touch too much in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I hear that Stan Kroenke didn't like that at all. Yeah. Because essentially, Anthony Hudson was saying, we, we need to invest more. We, you know, And I understood some of his points as well, saying that, look, I mean, we, we're the only team that's got one DP and it's a goalkeeper, you know, right. and... Um, Who's retiring at the end of this year. Uh, correct, and, and has not been great. I, I think we can all agree on that. And, yeah. um, but look, I also see the other side of it where actually, Anthony Hudson, you brought in a lot of these players. Yeah, you, you actually, brought... you know what? I think we did talk about this a little bit. I think it might have just happened because okay. I remember you making that point about it. He, he's, not, he's not blameless for the roster. No, not at so. all. And look, he's come out and he's taken blame... For, for certain aspects of it as well. But, um, you know, I just don't think they recruited well enough. Um, I thought some of the, the off-season signings that they made this past off-season, I thought, you know, it, it was they were good, experienced veterans. Whether or not they, if they were enough remains to be seen at the moment. You would argue it's, it, argue it's not. Um, but certainly players like Benny Failharbour and, and Kai Kamara uh, are always going to stand you in good stead in this league. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they've got the pieces around those players to be successful. And, um, you know, again, that's going to be intriguing to see what they do there from a coaching standpoint. You know, um, again, whispers all around the MLS world as to who's going to go there. And sure. um, I, I really, really don't know. But um, I could think of a couple of, of, of ex-MLS uh, managers that would take a job like that in a heartbeat for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's spend about five minutes now on, on some some recent moves. Some are sort of deadline day or around this, the around sort of deadline day. A lot of these guys, I, I don't know, how, some some of these are international people coming in. So I just want to get uh, whatever, in, you know, sort of your impressions of it. Brian Fernandez going to uh, Portland. Yeah, for a lot of money. Yeah. We're told between 10 and $12 million transfer fee. Uh, scored 16 goals in Liga MX. Um, uh, 18 in all competitions, to my knowledge. Um, look, the, the Timbers obviously needed a goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've had that issue really since they let, let go of Fernando Adi, um, last year was a real problem for them. Ibobasi came in and, and did well, yeah. but he was never going to be the long-term answer, at least at this stage of his career, I don't think, anyway. Mm. So it was an obvious need for them. Um, <laughs> everybody, we've said this before on this podcast, everybody is a year older. They've, they seem to have turned somewhat of a corner over recent weeks and, and gotten a couple of away wins. Um, but they've they've not struggled to create chances. You know, Valeri has has not been the issue. Blanco has not been the issue. They have created a plethora of opportunities. They've just not really had someone to consistently put the ball in the back of the net. And sure. and and now we don't know, but now maybe with Fernandez they do. Yeah, I mean, second leading scorer in Liga MX. Yep. That's, that's got to be worth something in, in in MLS at this point. You would so. hope so. Yeah. Um. What about on the other end of the ball, uh, Ariaga? I'm going to say. Is he Javier? Xavier? Xavier? I don't know, but yeah. Ari Ariaga to the Sounders. You, well, is it done? I, well, I'm, th th these are some rumors going okay. on right now. So I, I don't know that it's a done deal. But okay. I was curious if you knew anything about him as a player. Other than that, his name is from, there's that Simpsons episode where they're talking about soccer. And one of the guys is named Ariaga. Oh, so it's kind of funny. Anyways. Uh, no, all, all I know <laughs> is that he plays for one of the top clubs in, in Ecuador. Um they're called Barcelona. They're not the Barcelona, but right. It was know. a little bit a source of a little bit of confusion. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> not the not the Spanish Barcelona. No, and, and I, I wonder, um, you know, is is this uh, d d does this mean that 
someone like Roman Torres is, is now expendable. Yeah. Um, and do they well, those guys, to... Torres and Mar I mean, Marshall is also getting older. He's obviously still Marshall's at a high 34. Level, but, yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's under contract for another year. I would keep him. But you uh, got to start thinking about the future. You do, so. you do, and um, no, it's 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 intriguing. It's it's just that time right now, isn't it? Where it's just <laughs> everything and anything can happen, and uh, you know, yeah. As I said, I I think um, I think it's going to be a busy day. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Miram, uh, rumored to Atlanta United uh, wow. from the Crew. That's I the saw. First I'm hearing of that. Wow. Um, I I think Paul Tenorio came up on that and saying, you know, possibly as given that um, Ezekiel Barco is going to be gone for a good chunk uh, here to the U20 World Cup, uh, sort oh. of a, a midfield, uh, you know, stopgap. Um, is that involving a trade that sees Darlington Nagbe go back to go to Columbus? Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I, this. I'm purely speculating here, but obviously Nagbe has worked with uh, Caleb Porter in the past, and yeah. he very nearly went to Columbus Crew in the off season, so. Um, that that would be the only way I, I would see a deal like that happening is if they get a return of some sort because Justin Miram is a very good player mm -hmm. and unless they get either a boatload of allocation or I, I, I think at, at this point unless you've got plans for the summer window you have to do a deal with a player coming in because you <laughs> otherwise you you're a man down yeah you know so I I I, I would be stunned if a deal like that happens uh, and they don't get a player in, in return. Well, I'm looking. Okay, so I'm looking up Stan, Sam Stashkal, yep. uh, who is uh, Doug Roberson was reporting this from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, uh, saying that Columbus are getting allocation and a draft pick in exchange for for Miram. So, wow, that's um, that's very surprising. Yeah, wow, uh, it's got to be a boatload of allocation. <laughs> It's just, it's just all the allocation. It has to be. And then, as you mentioned, Jonathan Lewis um, uh, to the Rapids, maybe a somewhat yep. under, underutilized player for NYCFC who yeah. also has potential. Just got a text from someone I know telling me that it's done. Yeah. And um, I think, uh, yeah, underutilized is probably the best way to describe him at NYCFC. Now, you know, he's got a load of players, a lot of attacking players around him that are arguably better. You know, Maxi Morales is, is certainly in that, that category. Jesus Medina, maybe. But... Jonathan Lewis has recently been called up to the national team mm -hmm. for a reason. Um, I think he he's um, he's not an old-fashioned winger because he's, he's not one of these that he gets to the byline and plays a ball in and whatnot, but he also likes to cut inside as well. So I don't really know how to describe Jonathan Lewis properly, but he um, he will be a very good acquisition for Colorado Rapids. I I, I don't know what the the uh, what the the, the Tam or Gam or I don't I don't know the, the fee for him but um, I think regardless you know he's only twenty four twenty five um, he's in the prime of his career mm -hmm. he's on the cusp of the U S national team so if he continues uh, in the manner in which he's uh, he's he's played recently uh, I think it's a very good pickup for Colorado Rapids for sure yeah that's all I've got is things that I for as far as moves happening is there anything else on your radar that uh... there's a lot which I probably can't say right okay. now. okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know if these deals are going to go through or anything. Yeah, who knows? And, and, you know, by the time this is released, uh, who knows? We'll wait and see. Yeah, I was only <laughs> coming in on ones I'd seen from, like, you know, Stash Collar, Tenorio, or, like, actually tweeting things out. So Yeah, I what, what like... I will say is is on, on this day, you know, follow those guys yeah. on Twitter because they, they do have their, their ears up against just about every MLS boardroom and whatnot, you know, and, and also I'll take the opportunity to... To let everybody know as well that uh, tomorrow on Wednesday morning we are going to be doing a, a, a transfer deadline day review special podcast as well and, and talking about all the deals that have happened. So nice. uh, looking forward to that. Yes. 
Um, yeah, look out for that one coming up tomorrow uh, from the broadcast crew. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. So let's um, let's look into the Chicago Fire. Let's just get into this right now. I'm facing uh, former captain Francisco Calvo, who's going to be uh, playing for the Fire this week. He just, you know, guy gets traded, turn around and play the team right away. Uh, <laughs> first time getting back on the road. Um, this has gone a, a little rockily. Turn sour. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think to catch anybody up, you know, Calvo, Calvo was traded for a, a, some general allocation money and uh, targeted allocation money, a mix of these things. Yeah, it's about 450000 yeah. a combination of both over the next year and a bit, I believe. Yeah, with some possible bonuses for yeah. different things and things like that. So, um, and... I think the feeling here was this was, you know, it was, it's, a, it's a business move. There's obviously a desire to always get better and, and, and grow the roster. Um, it gives you a bunch of money to work with in the next transfer window, which is usually a very busy one in summer. Um, and it comes on the heels of some, some issues where, you know, there had been things about uh, Calvo wanting to be at center back, not at left back, and being played out at left back, getting a, a sort of a – fairly irresponsible red card in a game that might've had something in it to basically drop the team to nine men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the next game, they held a clean sheet. He was not in, he was not there. Uh, the game after that, apparently he was quite disappointed with not being put into or whatever. He was disappointed Yep. and he was kept out of the roster, the, the eight game day 18 entirely. And it seemed like that kind of went sour pretty quick. And it was like, maybe this is time to move on. Um, it was moved on from, and then uh, Calvo was interviewed and basically said, Adrian, he threw him in the trash like a rookie, which I'm not sure. Um, it's a second language. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think he was actually, I think the, was the interview was actually in Spanish. It was in Spanish so yeah. this is translated. I can't, you know, speak to all the idioms. I, I don't know how to I feel like the rookie thing is a little weird. Like to, cause like if you're the captain of a team and you think of rookies as things that you would throw in the trash, it seems a little mm. weird to me. Um, you know, I feel like it's a business thing and I, I feel like I understand people take things personal. Calvo has been one of my favorite players for the past two years. Yep. Um, his passion is, is tremendous. Um, it, I love his, his dedication to, um, you know, the game and to, and a reverence for it. You know, his, I, I appreciate that, but I also think that he's not a perfect player. He had he has had moments of 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 real inadequacy in his role on on the field, and I think he's maybe not being fully honest about <laughs> some of that stuff. I think he might feel like he has earned more than he actually did. I guess is what I would say. Yeah, um, the overriding thought I have about this is just be a better professional. Yeah, be Michael Boxall. Be Brent Coleman, be Bobby Shuttleworth. When you're not getting a game, when you're not playing, um, regardless if it's uh, because of poor form or simply because of a coaching choice where he thinks tactically uh, the person in your spots is better suited for the situation, be better. Just take it on the chin and say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can in training to, to... prove that I deserve an opportunity and a spot in the starting 11 or in the 18 or whatever. Um, I I thought the red cards in Toronto was was petulant and pointless. And I, I just, I, I couldn't quite understand why that happened. And the simple fact of the matter is, Francisco Calvo has not been playing well this season. Yeah. 
It's as simple as that. The red card presented an opportunity for somebody else to come in. Eric Miller came in, played against the Galaxy, and did well. Adrian doesn't drop a team, doesn't drop a player when they're playing well. He says so yeah. many times that the, the players pick the team, you know? So the fact that Eric Miller has come in and played in two games where they haven't conceded and then quite rightly was given the starting role against the Sounders then as well because the back four have looked about as solid as, as they ever have done right now. Um, I think Calvo has just got to understand that he was in a bit, he was in a rough patch. He was not playing very well. Guess what, mate? Yeah, you don't play well. You're not going to be in the starting eleven. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I think he took it personally. I really do. Um, you know, I know he was saying to people, I think the 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 people here, the coaching staff are making a mistake. I should start. Um, and I think he's wrong in, in that. You know. So what what he needs to do then is is obviously uh, the Chicago Fire saw that he he wasn't playing, and they they simply asked the question, said, you know. We're going to give you some money for a player that we, we think right now is is not playing, but we actually think we'll benefit from having him mm -hmm. in a certain position, which I'll get to shortly. Um, and then obviously, Minnesota United saw the amount of money that was being offered and thought, this is a great deal for the club. They have targets. They have people that they want to sign in the summer window. Mm -hmm. Having this money come into the club is only going to benefit them moving forwards. Francisco Calvo wanted to play at centre-back, where he's not been great, in my opinion. Yeah. Minnesota United are more than fine at centre-back. Ike Opara's been great. Brent Coleman has come in and done a fabulous job. Michael Boxall is a really good centre-back. Wyatt Olmsberg is a good young centre-back as well. You've got four centre-halves there. Mm -hmm. We're okay. You're only going to fit in at left-back here. And he wasn't great there. And he, he made it, um, he, he, no doubt about it, he made his case to several people at Minnesota United that he wanted to be a centre-back. And there's no room at centre-back here for you. Again, because he wasn't great at centre-back either. Yeah. My biggest issue here though, Steve, is that he's taken it personally and he's now called out several people at Minnesota United, in particular the head coach, Adrian Heath, which I think is completely out of order. And what he's done now is he's essentially made himself a villain. Mm -hmm. And I look, I, I never had any issues with him. I don't think yeah. you or I, you know, we always got along with him and he was always very good to us, whether it was doing podcast stuff or television, radio stuff. He yeah, was always... Interviewed him numerous no times. Problem. And, yeah, was no great. problem. No problem. No problem. But I think he's made himself look a little bit silly by doing this. Yeah. Um, and what he's what he's done now is he's only adding fuel to his own personal fire. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I I really think he's um, he's made himself look a little bit silly and unprofessional by doing this. There was there was no need to say it at all. Yeah. And um, I. I you know, I just hope it doesn't affect his uh, his reputation moving forward. Yeah, I think I think he can be very good for the fire. Is the other thing is that you know if they're going to play five at the back, yep. and they want to play him as the left center back, I think that's probably the best possible role for him. More than has, likely, what's going to happen? You yeah. know, he, it gives him some flexibility to go forward, which he likes to do, but it also gives him two people on either side of him who are respon who are also responsible for that part of the field. He's a very talented player. 
Um, obviously he's done, you know, he's played for Costa Rica and the national team. Like yep. he's, he's a good player. Um, I think the, I think the captaincy complicated this, uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that, um, you know, and there's a lot of reports are saying like he's, he's been the captain since day one. That's not actually true. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was a disaster. Vadim Demidov was the captain <laughs> to begin with. We, Minnesota United believed he was going to be the veteran leader who was going to, you know, provide that stability. That's not a name I thought I would hear. I know. Today, Here by the we way. go. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out. Demidov was, did not work out. So within the first two or three games, Calvo became the captain, but it's not, I mean, it was because of a crisis that he became the captain. And he, I think he did a decent job as captain over those first two seasons. The team was also not very good um, over those two seasons overall. Not, it's not that it's his fault, but to simply believe that like you're the incumbent captain and thus you will always have a place in the team. I, I think if he, were, if he had not been the captain and, and he had been dropped from the, the 18, uh, you've got to sort of just say, okay, well, that's, that's how it is. But I think the captaincy gave him a little feeling like, I'm not allowed to to be dropped out of that out of that 18. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just a little, I think it's just a little misplaced. I mean, I think you have to take into I mean, obviously anybody's like, I've been, I, I'm the captain. This is what I, yeah, this is my role. It's different for different people, but I think it's one of those things where I, that complicated things and that made it a lot more acute. And that's one of the reasons that it sort of had to be dealt with straight away before it became a problem of, well, Ozzy Alonso was the captain and he's been a captain for teams that have won MLS cup mm-hmm. that have won the open cup, you know, he knows how to do this job. You know, is, is Calvo going to come back in and, and take it from him? Like, it, like it, it, it complicates things. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I've always really liked Calvo. I hope he has a great career. Uh, I think he, yeah. he has the potential. He's still very young. He's 26, you know, it's, and I think the Chicago fire can be, you know, a good fit for him. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I think actually, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he went on and actually did well with Chicago fire. Um, I, I, as we have insinuated earlier on, I think he'll play, on the left side of a of a back three as a center half, and I think uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger will be alongside him. And I think actually, as I said, his game may elevate at Chicago Fire because he'll probably learn from someone like Schweinsteiger. So um, I think it's a good move for him. I really, really do. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I do. I wish him all the best. I think, as I said earlier on, I think he's been a bit silly the last couple of days and what he said. And I honestly think he'll probably regret it when he thinks about it um, and he looks back whether it's in 10 years or 20 years or whatever, I think he'll regret saying what he has. Um, but I, uh, I I wish him all the best, um, just not this Saturday. Sure. <laughs> Let's get into Chicago a little bit, just, just tactically. I mean, Chicago right now are 2-4-4, four, and four, um, sort of languishing in the Eastern Conference. Adrian today seemed to sort of imply he feels that they're better than that record would reflect. Yeah. Um, do you think that – what is the – what is it going to take for them to sort of step up to that level that that at least Adrian feels like they're capable of? Um, I think a couple of home wins always always help. Uh, and I know, again, that's not been encyclopedic saying that, but um, I think on paper, I completely agree with, with Adrian that they, they should be a lot higher in the standings because Eastern Conference is wide open right now as well. Yeah. Um, I like CJ Sapong. He, he has been effective wherever he's been. Um, I'm a big fan of the boy um, Mihalovic. Um, you know, I, I think if he carries on in the manner in which he started he, the early part of his career, he, he could be a full U.S. international one day. Uh, he's got protection there with Dax McCarty, who, who for me is still one of the best holding midfielders in the league. Yeah. Um, oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> I, um, I I like Katai. I think he's a good player. 
Emmanuel Nikolic always looks threatening in front yeah. of goal. I mean, he's a, he's a golden boot winner, right? So. Yeah, so, I mean, look, he's a good player. Um, and then the new addition, uh, Nicolas Gaitan, who, uh, like a lot of players, went to, to play in China and, and didn't like it, but it was only 18 months, two years ago, he was playing for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched one of their games um, a week or so ago, and, and he had about two or three players around him to to the left of the opponent's penalty area, and he just turned away from all three and delivered an absolutely gorgeous in-swinging ball, which I think it was Nikolic who, who scored the header off of it. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a threat, no doubt about it, you know. So yeah. um, I saw they just added a, a, a German-American goalkeeper as well. So um, I, uh, I think that's been confirmed anyway. Um, I saw that too. I saw that on MLS. Okay, there we go. So um, it's... Uh, look, they are a good team. They are yeah. a good team. Um you know, going there and, and naively thinking that we'll claim three points easily is 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 not the way I would suggest approaching it. Um, I uh, again, I'm just really, really intrigued to see what Adrian does with the starting eleven for Minnesota. Whether he remains in this four-three-three or, or does change it and back to the four-two-three-one, uh, or even goes elsewhere, I don't know. But yeah. um, what I am expecting is a very, very good game because these are two sides who no doubt will feel as though three points are there for the taking. Yeah, I'm interested. I think that the 4-3-3 three, three has looked so solid defensively. Mm-hmm. I know it sort of led to maybe some a, a little bit of sluggishness in the, on the, in the attack um, at Allianz Field, but I feel like going on the road, something that's gotten you solid, clean sheets or only you know one-goal games, I, I think running with that is good. I think, as you said earlier, Schuler is a good component on the road. Um, he doesn't have a problem kicking people <laughs> and getting in there and intercepting balls and dirtying it up. So, um, so I definitely like that. Um, I'm interested in Gaetan is, is going to be interesting. I haven't really gotten to watch him yet, but I like, um, I like this influx of, of guys like Pozuelo and Carlos Hill and, and Gaetan, these sort of like international midfielders who have some of that flair. Like you, when you're talking about Gaetan curling that ball in, mm-hmm. you think about Heel and what he did against, uh, oh, yes. Minnesota United earlier this season, just those, those pinpoint passes. It just makes the, the soccer more fun to watch when guys can execute stuff like that. And obviously Pozuelo has done well. He's not doing as well without, um, Altador uh, in front of him. But, you know, I think that those guys are all adjusting to the league right now. Um, and that as they make their adjustments, I think it's, it'll be fun to have a new crop of international midfielders like that. Um, this is going to be Chicago's second game of a double game week. Mm. Um, do you feel like, is there any particular advantage to catching a team on the second game when you have not had to play two games in a week like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is, uh, you know, um, Fatigue can can obviously uh, play its part in these kind of games. I mean, we've <laughs> we've seen it, haven't we, with Minnesota United over the years? And and let's not forget as well that once we're done with this week, we've got three games in seven days with yeah. the friendly uh, against Hertha Berlin on the Wednesday, um, and then it's Columbus and uh, and Houston Dynamo either side of it. So um, you know the only saving grace is that it's three games at home. Yeah. So there's not much traveling. Um, but we, we've seen fatigue no doubt play its part. And again, this this comes down to needing bigger rosters and the salary cap needing to be bigger and uh, an avenue which we won't bother going down uh, on this particular <laughs> podcast. We're we'll already be here going all day. long, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, it, it'll, we'll be, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't gotten to see much of the Chicago Fire, so, um, you know, it'll be a good chance to, to check them out. It'll be interesting. Uh, sorry, the Galaxy are about to make a move. So oh, what, what, do you, you, you want to share it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> sorry, man. You just, you just, you just, you just te- teasing me with this. So, 
Uh, so Ronaldo to the Galaxy is what it's, you're it's saying. What you're okay. saying. Yeah, right. basically. Book it. Confirmation here on Sound of the Loons. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the 56th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, May 11th. When Minnesota, oh, I, I messed up my copy here. <laughs> Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, May 11th, when the Loons travel to Chicago to face the fire at SeatGeek Stadium. It's not Toyota Park anymore. It's a new place. Same, same location at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North and listen on Score North. Fox Sports North, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got that one right. Uh, I messed it up last week because I forgot to delete the plus, but I'm pretty sure it's another one on Fox Sports North. Do you know what it's on? It's on the Fox Sports North networks. Okay, sure. <laughs> you'll, you'll find you'll it. You'll find it on right. one of the two channels. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Venturis. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>